because he's at Loughborough now. So I was mm. going to go. And we were just going to, I just, because I messaged him, I just was, look, I'd just like to come down and talk. And they had MK Dons mm. training there on the Friday before their game on the Saturday. Mm. Oh, come down Friday, we watch training, I'll show you around, we can talk, blah, blah, blah. And literally, that's when that weekend is when yeah. like, they, the football, because of Corona and all that rubbish. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, look, can we just have a chat? But even when I spoke then, it wasn't as much as I wanted to battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was some bits, I thought, let me just note take, because I wanted mm. to talk. I thought, two for the price of one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, love that. We're recording, by the way, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Guys, right, it's been a long time since I've been able to do this one. <laughs> Yo, Cat Attack Podcast and myself, Daps. Spence. Lamin. Oh my days, buddy. Yo, I, I think pigs are flying outside, mate. <laughs> I see but them yeah. flying by the window. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, guys, keep liking, subscribing, sharing. Um, we've got a coach in today. Um, Charlton under 23s manager, former Charlton player, um, Jason York. So I'm going to bring him back in here. We're just going to get into it, just chat about football, coaching, and all that good stuff. So um, let me bring him in now. Um, gets in okay. Yes, yes. What's going on? How are we doing, people? Yeah, we're, we're good, man. We're good. All good, all good, all good. So, so yeah, guys, man, we've got Jason Newell on today, man, and we're just gonna just have a chat about life after football, coaching, you know, and what what goes into coaching at, at that level. So um, where where do we start, man? How did you even get into um, like Charlton under twenty threes? It started. So I finished my last season at Charlton, two thousand eleven, twelve, the year we got promoted back to Championship. So that was my last year, and I wanted to keep playing. I always felt carry on playing, carry on playing, because I didn't have no major injuries. Mm felt fit, felt healthy, and always thought I could play for longer. Just That's just how I was. And I already started my coaching badges, I think, when I was 30. Then I started it, had to stop, restarted it again at 33-ish, something like that. And then that last year at Charlton, 35, I was already enrolled onto like the next, the next level. Mm. So then I got, got Paul Hart, who was the academy manager at the time, said to me, the um, Apple P was starting back then, and he said, "I'll oh, be under 15s." So after a few weeks speaking to people, I just thought, "I want to play, but I've probably got another two years maybe playing. Mm. If I start my coaching journey now, my longevity of a new chapter starts." So I said, "Yeah, took it." And within two weeks, he offered me a 16s role, which was a different role to the 15s. The 16s would have been working with the 18s as well during the day, which again, that helped me just being in and around the training grounds with the mm. 18s. And then on the 16s was a Tuesday, Tuesday evening, Wednesday was day release, and Thursday evenings we played on Saturdays. So that's how I've got that opportunity at Charlton through Paul Hart, and at the time, obviously, Chris Powell's the manager, Al D's there as first team, Damian Matthew, Ben Roberts, Errol Umut, physio. So I've come from 
straight away that footballing background straight mm. into coaching and that helped my transition from football after life. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that um, because of your, your links to, to Charlton and the people you had in there that it was pretty much a, not, not easy for you to, to get that role but it made it easier basically and you know the whole thing regarding black managers, black coaches potentially doesn't apply to you. I think, I think part of it was because of that last season. So at the beginning of that season, I was out of contracts and I was training stroke trialing at Charlton at the time. And when first team had games or went on pre-season, I was actually training with the under 18s to keep ticking over. And that's how I really got to know Paul Hart. Yeah. And then through that year, I was using the 18s for some of my sessions, sometimes the 16s. So I think he sort of saw me going through that process, but also got to know me as the person as well. Mm. And being, being a Charlton boy as it was at the time, finishing my career, I felt it made sense probably for him as a start of this E-triple-P thing in terms of having someone that we know, who knows the club, knows mm. the area, that can actually help the next batch of kids coming through. You're freezing. Is he freezing on you on you lot's side? It is, but the, the, the no, it's freezing, the, the, but the vocals is fine. Okay, yeah, but, consistent. Yeah, your your your, your visuals are, are freezing. Could it be me? Could it be me moving like this? Made it look like I was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but was that always something that you wanted to do? Because I'm not gonna lie to you, but I'm not, and I've, I've said it to these guys before. When it comes to coaching, I don't know if I've got the patience for that, man. So I don't know how you guys do it, because obviously yeah. Slamming does the, the kids. Or I keep calling them kids. How old are they that let you do it? Hey, they ain't kids no more, you know? Yeah, old are they? We cover 16s to 22s now. So they're men. Some of them are men. Young men, yeah. 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 Young, young men. How do you, especially because you're from that old school like, way of, of learning football and stuff like that, how do you change your mentality to dealing with kids? Because... Coaching men and coaching kids are two very different things. So I don't know how you guys, how you guys do it, man. No, from, I always knew that when I finished playing, I wanted to be involved in football in some capacity. Mm. And everyone sees coaching as that route. Yeah. Or there's punditry or media. And I'll be fortunate enough to do the punditry and media, which I still do now. Coaching is now my new career. Yeah. And... Growing up, I was always a talker. I was always someone that knew the game, understood the game. And knowing that if I started my coaching qualifications, I would get the opportunity if I wanted to, to put my name down and say, right, I want to go and do this in terms of staying in football. So mm -hmm. I, when I got asked that, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. Did the opportunity come earlier than expected? Yeah. And that's the reason why I took it, because I thought that opportunity might not come again especially at a club like Charlton. So I felt that, like I said, is the connections that I had and being a South London boy as well, and like I said, is it was a whole new thing for youth football, this whole E-triple-P thing. And for me, is I knew what kids are like nowadays because I've not been disconnected from it. That's mm. the thing. Even though I'm still in football, I'm a senior player, but you're still going through... Seeing these young boys coming through the training grounds, 
on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening to when they come to the games and they're ball boys. So you're still in tune with that sort of football, that football growing up for kids, mm. even though that was a player playing. Yeah. Also, is I'm not disconnecting too much from actually what's going on out there. So I know how things are changing, not just in society, but how football as well. So for me, it was an easier change for me to go, that's what I want to do because I want to give these boys an opportunity. But it's just not an opportunity in football. I want to give them an opportunity in life. So I look at them as people as well as players. Because mm. if I can't get the player that I want to go and fulfil his dreams at, say, Charlton at the time of are at, if he can't do that, then at least I've helped him to probably go and fulfil something else as a person, probably at another club. So he might yeah. not have learned a great deal from me as a player, but as a person, he might have grown. And that could mm. probably help him on the next stage. So it's just being, being aware of what you're going to be working with. And with these boys now, is they're, they're all coming from different areas, different backgrounds, different upbringings, households, everything. So I have to chop up myself into all these little different pieces. Yeah. So I'm like big brother, dad, role model, uncle, friend, coach, manager. And you've got to play those parts for each person because they're different. And yeah. one of them's going to need one where another one's going to need a neck. So you've just got to be able to adapt to how that person is. But part of it is, is how you are as a person, if you're mm. able to deal with that. You mentioned about the patience. It's, yeah. It can be frustrating. But if you've got the patience in you, you know that that frustration can, can turn into rewards as well. Not just for you personally, but for the player and the team that you're managing or coaching. Yeah. Okay. So I want to bring Spence in on, 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 this, on this bit. And then I, 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 I want to know what your answer would be after this, um, Jason. So what's the hardest thing you struggled with between going from playing and becoming a manager? Because the certain standards you guys have set for yourself, you know, you can't expect your players. Well, you can, I don't know. You can't expect your players to be able to do it straight away. What's, what's the hardest thing that you, you, you learn or that you have to come to terms with when it comes to actually playing the game and teaching other people? The hardest thing was knowing, not saying knowing I couldn't do it anymore, so I made that choice. Mm. Knowing that I couldn't affect it on the grass personally anymore, like me physically mm. doing it. Mm. So this is where now you have to get that trust in those players to do that for you. Mm. In terms of what we've been working for during the week, can we put that to practice? Yeah. And I always say to coaches that have just come out of football and they're going into it is put yourself in their shoes because you're no longer that senior pro or experienced pro anymore who's playing that gets it and understands it. You're now coaching players that are younger than you. Mm. So you've got to put yourself in their shoes. So I always say to them, simplify it. I say simplify it as if you may be coaching an under 16, but simplify it like you're coaching an under nine. How would you want your coach to coach you if he was under nine. If you started shouting to him, check shoulders, left, right, da da da, da to a nine-year-old, he won't have a clue. Even some 16-year-olds might not get that. So it's having to simplify what you do in your wording for them to understand what you're trying to get from them. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. I'm looking at Spence. <laughs> Spence is loving that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Spence is absolutely loving it. Hey, Spence, what was You just jumped, you? Spence. Yeah. What's the hardest thing for you, Spencer? Um, 
do you know what? It's I suppose it's a little bit different because obviously, um, like the first team, so it's we have some young players, but predominantly it's it's men. Um, I think my hardest thing was just I think a little bit as you said, Jason, just that you're not going there. So like in the lead up to games and we're working on X Y Z, and then you get to the game and you can't cross the line, and then it, it especially in the early days it was. It was, or it would frustrate me because I would be thinking, why, why are you not doing this? Why can't you do this? Mm. I'm thinking, I could go, I could go now and I could do it. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, as, yeah, yeah, totally. As you said, like the big thing, I think, is where you, you put yourself in them shoes, in their shoes. And the thing about when you're in the coaching game as well, which sometimes can be hard in football because everyone carries an ego, but you have to put that to the side. And part of being the coach is okay, I need to get that player. If he's missing X, Y, Z, I've got to give that to him. I have to bring him up to a level. Otherwise, we're in business for, for the wrong reasons. Like we, obviously, when you get to first team level, there is a, a pressure where you have to win. And, you know, you yeah, need yeah. to win. But at the same time, we're, we're in the game to improve players and improve people. If we're not doing that, then, you know, when, when, we're, not, we're not doing anything really. But I think for me, I always, like now, it's like, I'm very heavy on, um, I, I want the best for the boys, but there's certain things which I can't compromise. So we always say, mm. we've, got, we've got value. So how I was as a player, and, and as a person really, and I say, that's what I'll bring every day, every training, and that's what the team needs to show. So we have, like, we have to be hardworking, we have to be honest, and we have to be committed. Those are three things that we'll never compromise. Everything else, if you're not you're not fantastic at something, you can work on that. It's not a problem. But those three things we never compromise. And that's a, like I said about like the trust thing is you've got to get them to buy into what you want to try yeah. and achieve. And like you said, if you if you have those values already and people buy into it, the other areas you can take care of. But yeah, those areas sure. straight away is they have to buy into that because ultimately is. You're you're the captain of the ship. You're the leader. If you don't get those buying from, if you don't get that buying, then you're not going anywhere. But if you get the buying, and then all the other areas, you can bring it up. You can bring it around and top it up. So mm -hmm. then, all of a sudden, is now you've got your beliefs. Everyone's nailing that. Now, how do I start individualising them to be better players, better people? So you've got to get the buying first. I've said it comes with that trust. I can't physically do it by crossing the line. But it's how can I affect it from this side of the line? So mm, if we've yeah. already got our values and everything there already, mm. that little bit of a bit of information that I'm giving, that little bit of direction that I'm giving, that just might make the difference. And that's yeah. how you can affect it from the other side. No, that's that's mad. It's it's so crazy because because I have no intention of ever coaching or, or whatever. Like the, the the amount of thinking, like just even listening to Spence every other day in the group, like. The amount of thinking that you have to do, did that surprise you in regards to how much time you, you actually have to dedicate to putting on sessions and to making sure that your team's playing how, how you need to play and preparing for everything? Did that, did that come as a, as a surprise for you? Yes, because with going into it, it's all very much now, and a lot of academy coaches would tell you that most of your time isn't spent on the grass, which is a frustrating thing. Yeah. Most of your time is spent 
admin meetings pma stuff and pma is the, the database where you have to upload players learning um, learning objectives match reports training reports physical stuff a lot of it got consumed through admin stuff and and computer so me as under 16 coming through training for an hour and a half in the evening but then i know that before that i've had to plan my session prepare it think about it right go and do it after that review it how did player train how did this player train so then there's a lot of other stuff that comes with actually being on the grass and that is one of the frustrations of why some coaches don't want to enter academy football as much as it's brilliant as an opportunity mm. to go but there is a lot of the admin sides behind it so you don't actually get as much time on the grass as you want so the time that you do get you've got to try and use it efficiently mm. and it's not trying to throw in loads and loads and loads and loads of messages that's just confusing you just got to make those points that you want to get out you've got to make them heard and make them understandable would you say though like because you, you mentioned you have to upload um, databases, I mean, update databases and, and plan sessions and everything. Would you say that, because for me, the emphasis should be at that level on development. But would you, well, I, I think that a, a lot of the time, a lot of coaches get into this whole thing of winning, like they have to win as opposed to development. Like, what would you say should be the the main focus of your teams should, should it be at that level so, should it be development or should it be winning so two ways i put this I always a lot of people will say no academy football is about development mm. academy football is about winning you can split that in half because ultimately is if they're going to be going up that pyramid within academy football the end goal is first team football that's winning games yeah. Now, if you're going through a process of, I've made this player get better and better and better each year, but he doesn't know how to win games of football, he hasn't got the mentality, how's he going to get to that next level? So, you're going to get to a point where it's, oh, we've lost every week, we've lost every week. Oh, yeah, but he played really well. But that's yeah. not always the good thing about it. He's not getting into that winning mentality of how to win games. It's just, mm. can I get through the game plan really well? But... With me at under-23s, and similar to us at Charlton's and Academy, ours is about winning. We want to be competitive in what we do. We want, to win, we want to win trophies. We want to win the leagues, the cups. For me, I want to win all of that because that is development. Because if we're winning all the time, we're developing on something, which is a winning mentality. We could be losing games of football. We end up winning it. So we're, we're developing another way, another mindset of how to come back to football. Because when they get to that next level, it is about winning, end of. Because if you don't, you're not in the team, you're out of the squad, you're out of the club, manager's out of a job. Yeah. So I always say it is, for me personally, it is about winning because that brings a development. Because if yeah. I'm losing every week, I'm not probably going to fulfil my job in getting players that are ready for first-team football. And that's what my role is. I've got to get players ready for first-team football. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry, do, you do, or do, you, do you try and get the boys out on loan as well? Yeah, so my remit is can I get them into our first team? Yeah. If, I can't get them out, if I can't get them in the first team straight away, can I get them out on loan? Yeah. Then get them out on loan to try and come back into our first team. 
that's not always the case. Each yeah. player, their pathway is going to be different. Some players might need one loan, some might need two loans, yeah. some might need yeah. three. But part of the pathway for them is the challenges as well, getting them ready for first team. Now, if you look, there's not many players now that leave youth team that go straight into the first team. Very, very few. So you don't get too many 18-year-olds now in the first teams at any club. Very, very few. So this 23s bubble that we're in is biding that little bit of time for them yeah. to get into first team. So if that means it's playing 23, so be it. If it means going out and playing at a step seven and then it's they've done well, step six and working you out, every player's different. But yeah, our importance sure. is, is trying to get them ready for first team football. And that is including loan as well. Yeah, if, if, if you're looking at getting some boys on loan... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, I, knew there, I knew there was an angle coming there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real genius. <laughs> no, 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 do you know what it, do you know what it is? As, do you know what it is as well? Um, because I used to, I done a bit of work um, at QPR for a few years, but then um, I left just to kind of do my own stuff. Um, and then obviously uh, Wolfham Abbey, but I'm very good friends with the academy director. So we took two boys, uh, well, this season before it finished. Uh, we had two boys from uh, the 23s, QPR, come over uh, to us. Um, and it was like it was really good for us. It was really good for them. Um, so we'll probably be maybe looking to do it again, getting a few boys. But we're kind of, we're in terms of like the way we play, we try and play football the right way, considering the level that we're at. Um, but as well, I think it's always good for the kids because... Um, All right, let me cross you. Let me cross you. What's, what's the right way? For me, trying to get yeah, because you said we play football the right way. What's the right way? Yeah, true. No, when I say right, mate, I mean the way I think you like to. And, and how yeah. is that? No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm, no, no, I'm no, no. Coming I get at that. you because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people. Because that's like so. For example, I use I use it differently. So I look at the way Wimbledon played back in the day. That was yeah. that was our way. We had good players. That was yeah. our way of playing and winning. Bolton had their way of winning and playing. Yeah. What's, what's the full look you? So, it's, it's, yeah, that's it. So, with me is, I want to play the right way, which is yeah. playing through the first, looking pretty. But like I said is, I've got to get these boys ready for first team football. So, yeah. I've got to give them scenarios and how many other ways of winning. So, yeah. if playing through the thirds isn't working, I've got to find another option. Yeah. I've got to go round teams and use wingers. If that ain't working, I've got to go over teams and go a bit more direct. So it's finding a way because we all we all yeah. want to play the right way. Yeah, but of course. There, there's want to play the right way is is that always going to win you a game of football? You know what? As well, I think that's probably one of the biggest things from an education point of view. Yeah, that and I, and I think I don't know if that's I don't know if that's something that you're doing, Jay, or or if that's something that Charlton have done, yeah? But I have, I have to admit, where Charlton produce players, the players are quite adaptable. Players understand that yeah. if they can't go through, they go around. If they can't go around, they go over. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? There's, there, yeah, there seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. There seems to be that really good understanding. But I think when, when I, obviously, you know I, I watch a lot of football, but when I, when I look at a lot of other clubs and I, and I ask myself that question, is this player... Do I see this player potentially playing first team? 
And is this player doing, is this player figuring it out? And I think that's something that maybe it's, I don't know if it's a Charlton thing or if it's your, if it's your thing that you are just kind of got that in your mind and you're coaching that way. But it's something that you don't see everywhere. And obviously you being at Charlton, you might not, obviously, you know, you, you know you're going to know people in the game, but you might not maybe watch football in the same way that I'm just going to watch and just kind of see how people are coaching and that. But it's definitely something that's not everywhere. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? No. It's definitely something that's so, not everywhere. Yeah, so the reason why I said that to Spence as well, because I said my remit is about trying to get these boys ready for first team. Now, if I've got the best ball playing centre back, where does if he doesn't get into our first team, where does he go on loan? He's the best plan. He's the best playing centre back. He fits a profile of six foot five, but no one's ever seen him defend. But he's the best playing centre half. But like where yeah. where do I get the best playing centre half out on loan? Because if he's 18 going 19, he's more than likely going to be Ryman Prem or the yeah. South, North, them type of levels. Do, does their manager really want him getting the ball from his goalkeeper and trying to play it? No. Thing, so, yeah. like I said, is I've got to find ways of how we play in order to mm. win games of football. So, there's going to be times where I might not need that centre-back to go and get it. He might have to just get the back four up and we go and play the second balls and go from there. So it's giving them those ideas and ways to play that people can see is, oh, he's not just a ball playing centre-half. He's actually a very good defender. Because first and foremost, that's what he is. No yeah, point me trying to, yeah. Exactly. No point me trying to sell someone who's asking me for a centre-back and I'm going, oh, yeah, he's brilliant with a ball at his feet. But what's he like defending? Well, he, ain't, he ain't the greatest. He's shit. He ain't going to go anywhere. Mm. So, oh, so, so, so what happened? Sorry, go on. I know that was just as an example. I mean, that's with the best playing ball centre, best playing centre back. Mm. That's an example of how do you get that player out on loan because that club, like Spence said, is a certain club will want to keep playing that type all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm. But how does that boy then get out on loan? But then because uh, that. Let's let's say now Charlton have, you know, in their first team they've got ball playing centre backs where. This this defender now can't get he can't get into whatever, and then you also can't find him a place to go out on loan because anywhere he goes out on loan he's probably gonna his his defensive throws are probably gonna get shown up he's not he's not gonna have a good time. So what happens to to that player then? So that's that's what he's saying is that's that's where that player or depending on would it be player coach club of probably not coached him in the way that he needs to be coached in terms of what he needs. Mm. Because if he's going to be the best playing centre-half, well, what club do you go to in the country? Because if he's the, one of the best playing, West Ball playing centre-halves, he's not going to be in a 23s for long. He's going to be up with the first team. But if he's not, well, where, does it, where do you send him to? Because not every team, if it's a Premier League club, not every championship team is going to want the best ball player centre half. That might only be one or two, which limits which limits him. So, talking about yes, he's very good and exceptional at ball playing. His defending's like that. We have to get him to there mm. to get him out the door on loan. We have to raise what he's there for, being a centre back that can defend. Who's also good at being on the ball, and but that's where we have to find the balance. At what point does like is there's got to be a cutoff, though, surely. Like, at what point does it get to the to the stage where you're like, you know what? 
you're not in our first team. Like, you're good enough to be in the under-23s, but you're not good enough to for, for, Like, At what point do you just say, you know what, you're going to have to go? That's where you look at what his profile's been like or his pathway. So if he's been in our academy for X amount of years, you sometimes tend to, you tend to judge or know where it's going. Sometimes it can be for the positives. But then we've got to realise sometimes when we are at that 23s level, it depends who's up top in terms of the first team manager. Because every manager is going to want a different type. So we might see this profile for a Charlton mm. in terms of how we want to do things. But if a manager comes in who doesn't see that, yeah. that's when it can be sometimes the end for that player. Mm. But that's where we, again, we have to get that balance of if it's not going to be right for us, for him here, we've got to try and make it right for him elsewhere. Yeah. Would you, would you say that, um, because not, obviously not everyone in your under-23s can is going to go first team. That's, again... No, that's, that's facts, again. yeah, that's facts, yeah. yeah. So, like, does it then... Obviously, you've got to find a player who who fits, like, fits the most, who's good enough to, to go to that. But if you don't, does it then become a, a business thing where it's like, at least if we can churn out players who who can make make us money, then we're doing good. Is there, is there ever that hat on, like, the business hat? Or is it literally always about, we're just going to try and develop the players as much as we can for first team? So, like I said, look, the, like, remit for us is any player that comes into the academy is they know they've got the carrot of there's a pathway for them mm. getting to the first team. History's proven that and it's still been going on now from, from when I've been in charge. There's, there's a pathway to our first team. We will get that player to as far as we can then, like I said, is then goes to who's in charge, who's manager of the team at that point. Does that player fit in to where or how he plays? Now, like I said, is over the last seven years I've been doing it, we've been lucky enough where we've had managers that go, yeah, like him, he'll be a bit of me. I'll take him. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. A lot of them have now moved on. They've been sold because they've done well when being asked. Others taken a bit longer, been out alone, come back, eventually get in. But we're never in that position where we can hoard players to try and hold out for that asset value mm. because we've never really been that financially strong enough where we can have all these players on board still paying money, money, money and play 23s. We can't do that. Yeah. So we have to try and... Not, not, it's not a quick fix. It's can we get them to our first team? If we can, brilliant. If we can sell them on, happy days. That's what our academy's for. That's what most academies should be for, wanting mm. one of their own. Yeah. We know that we're not always going to get everyone to be one of our own. Like we said, it's, that's a fact. It's not going to happen. So like I said, is we've got to, and I've got to try and get them ready for the next, make them an asset probably for someone else. So... Mm. I don't always get, I don't get involved in the financials. If there's a player that we've released after, well, one, if there's a player that we've, that we've released, I want him to go and do well. I want him to go and have a career because it might just wasn't his time for us right now. 
or if someone's turned down a contract and he ends up going somewhere else, then obviously we'll, they will get a business part of it from another way. But we always look to try and get them first and foremost in our first team. If we can't, then I said it's we want to try and give them the best, try and get them a career elsewhere. Yeah. How frustrating is the, it might not even be frustrating for you guys as managers, but the topic of money when it comes to players, is that like, because you can have a great idea for a player to come to the club or to play this way, stay at the club, whatever. But then is, is, that con- is the topic of money and contracts almost like a, a taboo thing, like an elephant in the room when you're having those conversations? You know what you're going to get straight away. That's the thing. There's some conversations I'm involved with when we are getting new players into the club that have been released from others. Sometimes the expectancies from parents within the club because their players been with us for a while they feel that he's a very good player we've pushed him up the age groups a couple of years mm. but we know what we're what we're fighting against we know that we can't financially compete with loads of teams not just in London in and around the country where we've lost players due to that because sometimes the finances are just not big enough for what players and some parents want but I said is the only thing that we can throw at is about trusting in what we do and being able to keep doing what we're asking you to do and you'll get the opportunity of first team football you'll then get your rewards if we start going to that way of trying to throw loads of money that we ain't got at players you find yourself in a sinking ship yeah does it does it surprise you do you ever get surprised when you see just how far football has come in regards to what these young players are earning or, or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The expectation of that, that, that they have when it comes to money. No, it's, it's just how football is now. It's, it's one of those ones you're trying to control an uncontrollable. Mm. It's, it's out of our hands. We're not, we can only do what we can do in terms mm. of finances. I mean, we're not, we're not giving out shit contracts we're giving out contracts in a way of this is where we feel that these players should be within their age groups mm. in terms of a first year second year third year pro all those boys they have the rewards in there if they make an appearance or a debut for the first team there will be an uplift if it is that it might even be a ripped up fresh start so we're not trying to give too much too soon because sometimes that can lose the appetite of the player and like you mm. said all of a sudden is I want to get there, but because I've got this amount of dough already, what's, it, actually I've, giving I've me that, what's, what's giving me that burning thing in my stomach to actually really want to go and play first team now? Because I'm picking up all these change per week. Mm. And that's where you get the mixed, the mixed feelings of players that, okay, they, may, they might have all that dough, but they still want to go and achieve what they want to achieve. Where there's mm. others that are just kicking back, being happy at the club, picking up their dough, and all of a sudden they become stagnant. Yeah, and then you look back and we go, "Right, what happened to that player? Oh, well, he got his big deal and don't know what That's he's doing it. now." Mm. Mm. So it's it's how you it's, and it's things it's how you manage these players as well because they're not just players, they're people. And mm. it's if you know that you can offer that certain deal which might be a little bit out of the norm, but if you know that he's sensible enough and you know what the family's like, then yes, it could be doable. Are you there? Hello. Yes, today, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Uh, Spence mentioned something about um, the egos that people have, like that you have as a player. 
when you're going when you're going into management. Like as a player, no one can say anything to you because you've been there, done that. Do you get what I'm saying? But what was it like when you had to now become the coach, become the manager? That ego is, is that ego is still there? Like, no, I'm I'm Jason Yule. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, you can't really chat to me. Or is it a is it a thing where you literally just have to come and just humble yourself very quickly? I, I spoke to someone earlier on it. When I got into it, and it might, it's not big-headed or anything. I thought, I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. And it's, I, I'd done it in a way of, I want to go and enjoy myself. And I want these kids to go and enjoy themselves. Mm. But I was still under the structure of what the club was telling me to do. And I didn't have an assistant or anything at 16. So I only had one the last two years. I had a youth development phase manager, which was Steve Lovell, who used to manage at um, Bromley and, and Gillingham. And he, only, he used to sort of oversee what I was doing. So the first sort of six weeks, you would share the training in terms of me getting my feet under the table, things like that. But for what I did in the training, it was more like, Right, come boys, we're going to go and do this now because it's something that I want to do, something that I enjoy doing. So I tried to replicate the things that I like to do in terms of them, but it was still helping their development. But I know that these kids, even like now, with the boys I'm working with, young men, they've all got egos. Yeah. They've all got egos. Like, there's, I can't afford to have an ego right about now. I've not done anything. So there's, there's managers that can go and say, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Too right, you've earned your ego status. You can say what you can say what you want. I've mm. not done anything yet. I'm still in that. I'm still in that, that training steps. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing it for eight years. I've got my qualifications. I'm getting players through. I ain't done nothing yet. Yeah. But all I need to do is be able to manage their egos and expectations. Yeah. Because they all want they all want everything that every other player's got at other clubs. Yeah. I've got to try and manage theirs in terms of where we are right about now. And if you do what you do and I can do it and my assistant helps you do that and your players do what they do, you all get your individual rewards. And I always say that, always say it to them all the time. I know where you want to get to, but you can't get there by yourself. It's the boys next to you will help you get there. When you get there, you thank them next to you as well because they're the ones yeah. that's helped you get there. Yeah. Let's say Spence turns around to you tomorrow and he wants to take on one of your players. Is that a conversation like that you would actually have? Like, are, are you approachable? Are, are your clubs approachable? Or after a certain level, do you just be like, nah, we're not, we're not looking to... No. no, 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 no. It's like I said earlier, every, every player's pathway is going to be different. Mm. Every player's going to need to be challenged different. And it all, all stems down to, well, why do we need to send this player on loan right now? What, just because his agents rang us and said, oh, he needs to go out on loan. Well, mm. no, he doesn't. So we all know the time when that player needs to go out on loan because it's either because he hasn't had enough game time or he's just coming back from an injury and we can't quite get him into, the, into our team at the moment. Let's get him out with some game time. Mm. Someone's been doing really well. We need to give him a new challenge. What level do we put him at first? So there's all these different factors where we go and say, right, this player's either now ready to go or he's not ready. But we still have to think about our team as well. Because, mm. like I said, is we're in things to win. If we now have only got a squad of 15 and I've sent eight players out on loan, how's that going to affect our group as well? How's that mm. going to affect them 
yes, they're getting that first team football experience, but how does that still get them to achieve what their actual team is about? Trying yeah. to achieve our, our goals of winning the league, winning the cups and things like that. So there's two different ways of how we look at their profile, their their pathway and their progress. Mm. Does your like thoughts and like plans trump, let's say, the under 18? So if you as an under twenty threes coach, if you see under 18s player that you like, are you able to just go, look, I want him with me now? And because you're the most senior in terms of the age groups, you kind of get your way. And does that kind of cause, not friction, but obviously the under no, no, okay. Go on, go on, man. No, no, I was going to say, no, I, get, I get what you're saying. It's, it's not always that simple in terms of that because, again, we always, it's similar to when a player goes and trains with the first team. Sometimes mm. it's just for a number. Oh, we need a right back, what you got. But we all still like to do it as we still want that player to earn the right. Yeah. So it's the same as if the first team did want a player. Okay, what player is it you want? We need a set midfielder. Who have you got? Well, we've had two of them that have been playing really, really well. What type do you want? Oh, I want this type. Okay, take him. He's earned it. He's been playing really well. It'd be similar to an under-18. If an yeah. under-18 is doing really well with the 18s and... I might need someone for training or someone for the bench. I speak to Steve Avery, academy manager, or Ant, and say, look, probably going to be short in X position. What's such and such been? What's he been like the last couple of weeks? How's he been training? Mm. If it's positive feedback and they're saying to me, yeah, just give me a little chance. Then we do it like that. We don't try and accelerate the process. Yeah. Because it's similar to when boys go to first team, it can get to their head. If we start doing that with 18s to 23, sometimes a little bit too soon, all of a sudden, is they think they've made it and they ain't done nothing yet. Yeah. So it's would all you, about some earning the right. Yeah. Would, would, would you say that 23... Not, would you say it's better than the old, the old way of having the reserves in, in regards to just progression and football in general? Or are you a fan of, you know, having it at, like with this structure, 23s? I'd, I'd say it's, it's, it's got its pros and cons. And where I said earlier about there's not many players that are coming from youth team as 18-year-olds that are going straight into first teams. That mm. there's, there's not, that, that's not happening as, as often and as regularly as it was when I was coming through. Would it be better if they were tested more against men in terms mm -hmm. of the reserve football, how we had it, where you're going from literally... A B team, basically. That's what it was like. When I was mm. growing up, your reserve football was like the B team. Yeah. It was still your senior pros and the young pros and you're playing against, like, I mean, I'm playing against Sol Campbell, Tony Adams on the occasions, or this mm. 16, 17, 18 year old. You're playing, and you're getting that. You're getting the toughness. You're getting the senior pro telling you that you're having a bad game or, or whatever. You're getting that realness. With not having that sort of senior player in and around you sort of dilutes what real football's going to be like. Yeah. So I say to my boys is don't get wrapped up in this 23s bubble because that's what it is. I said the age group that you're in now is the real world. It's men's football. But because you're in this bubble, don't get wrapped up in it. This bubble here is, is giving you time to make that next step. That's yeah. why it's been created. 
is to give them that bit of time. So like I said, is every pathway is different. So some might need one, two, three years to then be ready. But this this 23's bubble is allowing them to 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 get ready. Mm. We have when we when they say that three overage players is it's harder now if you wanted to try and go four overage or five overage players because some squads don't want to risk putting their senior players in 23s games because they got a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday week. Mm. So it's a pro and cons thing. I'd love it if there could be more senior pros because then that gives them a little bit of realness to what first team football is like. But on the, the other side of it is as well, is that people see, think it's diluted. It's not real enough. Yeah. But time will tell by the amount of players that have come from this 23s bubble that have eventually gone and achieved their goal because they've needed that little bit more time. Yeah. But would you say, though, that... Because for me personally, I think that um, by, by the time you're 22, 23 especially, I think you should be playing like men's, men's football. How hard is it for you to look at them thinking you should be playing men's football, but at the same time, it is what it is. I've got this bubble. So I look at it is that by 21, a third year pro, you should be playing first team football. And that's if you've come from the system where you've, if you, not saying it has to be between, oh, you've come through the door at nine or you've come through the door at 15. If you've been in the academy for a, a sufficient amount of time and you're now in your third year as an under 20, come as an under 21 player, mm. you should be banging on the door of first team football. Yeah. That's either with us or, or a loan club. If, for example, I've signed three players, four players over the last couple of years where they've come into that under 21 third year pro. We've signed them. That's because they've come from non-league football. Mm. So they've been training once, twice a week. They haven't had the day-to-day contact in terms of what we have, but they've got 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 men's football against Danger. their name, mm. which my boys haven't. So if they've had all of that men's football, it doesn't matter what level it is, it's men's football. But they've lost their coaching time. Can I bring them in, make up their coaching time with the men's football experience they've had, then they could probably get into our first team at 21-22. Yeah. So I look at it differently. If I see if someone who's come through the academy system for a period of time, they should really be knocking on first team doors at 21. Yeah. Can you tell the players who... That by looking at it, this one's come from non-league and this one's come through the academies. Is there something different about them? The boys that I've got in the door from non-league is a bit more hunger about them mm. because they've had opportunities. It's never been for them. Some yeah. have not even had the opportunity and just love playing the game and just keep playing it. And one of the things I always say, we play in the Kent Senior Cup. And that's sort of our only exposure to men's football during yeah. the season or pre-season. So I, I, I see it as a test. But ultimately, is I, te- I, I, I put it to them as this is, reality of, this is reality of football when you're outside the professional game. Yeah. You've got guys that are getting up crack of dawn to go and earn their bread yeah. on a building site or a hospital or a bus, whatever it is. 
then they still go and training to kick balls. That's what they love doing. Yeah. Now, because we're playing them in a we're playing them in a cup competition, don't think you're any different to them. They're going to look at you differently because you're in the academy system. Yeah. But don't you look at them any differently because yeah. in six months to a year, this could be you. Yeah. So you play the game exactly the way you play the game. Yeah. If it's against the 23s team or against whoever we're playing against Senior Cup, you respect them the same way. Yeah. But it shows the hunger that these boys, what they're putting themselves through. Yeah. Because they want to they earn, they want to earn uh, a trial somewhere. Yeah. And this is their opportunity, probably sometimes playing against us. But what I always say to our boys is as well, you never know who's watching. Mm. You never know who's watching. So a player that could play against us in one of these cup competitions, we could have seen him three or four times before that. But he don't know that. Mm. He doesn't know that. But if he comes and plays well against us, then we can look and go and say, we've seen him for four games now and he's played well against us. Let's get yeah. him in and have an opportunity. So How much of the opportunities are gone. <laughs> How many non-league games are you actually like, like privy to, like between you and your team? Would you say that you actually see a lot more than people might think that you that you see, or do you rely on, let's say, let's say one guy's top of the goal scoring charts in random prem? Is that what you go by? With no, with me, I follow, I follow non-league. I'm on. Mm. If I'm not at a game on a Saturday, or I'm at home, or even if I'm at a game, I'm scrolling non-league. I'm scrolling, um, what's that one? Football web pages. I'm scrolling them. Because that's, that's, where you find, that's where you find players. I've got a scout who we brought in a year and a half ago called Chris Warren, who knows, knows non-leagues. Knows non-league. And he knows in terms of the recruitment, what I like and what the club need, things like that. Sometimes he's already got players already. Yeah. Jace, this is a little bit for you. Have a look. Or I'm saying, because I'm seeing all these reports on this team's doing well or that player's doing well, whatever position, I'll go and say to him, I'll keep an eye out for this one or do you know anything about him? I'll pick up and make a call. So because I've given players that opportunity before, and like I said, is they're hungry. They want an opportunity. Mm. Because I've done that before with some players, with Joe Rebo being the main one everyone knows I brought in, yeah. is you'll get opportunity. Mm. And like I said, is a boy that we could play against in a cup game next week, we may have already watched him three or four times. They don't know. Yeah. So whoever you're, if whoever's watching, listening, you're playing non-league, just keep playing because an opportunity, you don't know who's watching. Yeah. You don't how, know who's watching. How good was, was Joe Rebo for you, man? Because he's unreal, man. Joe just, Joe just grew and grew and grew. Not even as a player, but as a person as well. Because mm. it's when I got the call from... Marcus Gow, he just said to me, are you looking for anything this season? I said, look, midfielder, bit of presence, someone who will stand out in midfield. He's like, right, I've got this youth man for you. He said he was kinny like you at the same age. I was like, all right. And he was like, yeah, he's played for me this season. He's going to be 18. I went, okay, cool. And he went, and he's a lefty. So I was like, right, he can come. As soon as I heard left foot, I went, yeah, get him in. Because I knew... I didn't have any balance in my, in my balance, midfield yeah. at that time. They had no balance. As soon as he said lefty, I went, yep, yeah, get him in. For the six weeks he was in on trial, quiet, shy, knew a couple of the boys, 
Mm. Came on pre-season tour. So, sorry, sorry, go back. It was our second or third game, it was. Played mm. Dalit Chamlet. Played Dalit Chamlet, Gavin and Mans. Yeah. And the first team were on tour in Belgium. But because they were playing their second game on 3G Astro, everyone to call it, some of the boys couldn't play in that game. So yeah. they flew flew them back to play for me against Dulwich and then flew some of mine over to go okay. play the first team. Mm. So we had... Um, oh, I've got his name now. Johnny Jackson, Royce Wiggins, Chris Solly, oh, and Igor Vettikelli, and I can see his face. Tall French midfielder we had, black guy. Played in the World Cup. Skinny, skinny. I want to say Diaby, it's not Diaby. What's his name? Skinny, tall midfielder, really slim. He was played in, in World Cup with France. Um, oh. <laughs> and he, him and Joe played, he only played 45 minutes. And Joe played set midfield with him and Joe ended up scoring as well. Was Joe and even at half-time, no, he's still on trial. Still okay. on trial. So we're three weeks into pre-season. It's our second, second or third game. Mm. And at half-time, I want to say Abu Diaby. It's not Abu Diaby. His name's bugging me. Oh. Come up to me. I can see his face. Bald head, little tash. No, 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 no. He played centre-half for us a couple of times as well. Centre midfielder. Let me get that name. Yeah, go on, go on. I'll find it, man. Bugging me. He cut to me at half-time and he was like, Jace, who's, who's, this, who's this player? I went, oh, he's on trial, like Joe Rebo. He went, good, good. And I'm thinking, this is a guy that's played in the World Cup for France and that. And he's saying about how, how we know players. This is, a, I mean, he's, his credibility and his CV yeah. said it. For, and he's like, no, good, good, good. You need, you, you need to do something with him. And I'm thinking, okay. Jacko, through the, through the second half, was like, who's this boy? I'm having him. <laughs> and... I always say now to everyone, players know good players. Yeah. Alu Diara. Say again? Was it Alu Diara? Alu. That's it. I'm, I, yeah. Alu. Alu. Yeah. Alu. What a guy he is, by the way. Proper, <laughs> profe- proper professional. And yeah. And after it, just singing praises, I said is, players know good players. So mm. when you start getting that feedback from senior pros, and then the coming weeks start coming and you're getting a little bit more of a relationship being built between Joe and everybody else. And you're starting to now see him as a person and what he's like with everyone else. Mm-hmm. You start putting the two together. You see what the player's like. You see what the person's like. You put them together and you think this can work. The dynamics could work. Not only was I looking for a midfielder, but with someone who's left-footed that gives us balance. Mm-hmm. Dynamics there on the pitch. The dynamics mm-hmm. are now growing off the pitch. And like I said, he's just, he just kept growing in terms of how he played, how he affected it. And even like now when I speak to him, he's still, oh, Jason, oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I'm like, stop being stupid. I gave it to you, you took it. And yeah. that's all I ask anyone. You get the opportunity, mm-hmm. take it. You took it and you're not looking back now, you're looking forward. Yeah. That's how it is. And even up until last year, it's, he said he still gets nervous going into games. Uh, I love why, that though, man. That? That's good to hear, yeah. man. Humble. Yeah, uh, but and I said, like, why is that? He said, I don't know. He said, I just feel. I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure he won't mind me saying it anyway. But it's for, it's for everyone. Yeah. 
He said, I, I just don't, I don't know what it is. I said, right, what'd you do before games? I said, I listen to music. What'd you listen to? I listen to hip hop. I said, well, maybe probably don't listen to that too much before the game or give yourself enough time for when you do listen to it to when you know it's time for the warm up or when it's time to get ready. I said, Airspace. find a different way. Yeah, I said, find a different way. I said, sometimes listen to something a little bit more chilled. But find a way that gets you in a place where you don't feel nervous. Yeah. But he said, it's when I do go out, I'll, I'm all right. But then if something happens, I went, but what I always say to you and everyone else, well, if you make a mistake, just forget about it. I went, right, so why are you feeling that? And then he said the thing to me was, I get nervous sometimes, and sometimes when I make a mistake is, because I've not been in the system long and longer than some of these boys, mm. I feel it's because of that. Yeah. They, hand, they say they handle it differently, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Now this was not this season just gone, season before. And I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying is. I said, you're saying that in terms of because these boys have been in the system longer than you. I said, but those boys that you've, have been in the system longer than you. You said you bypassed them now. Go on ahead of them. <laughs> Go on ahead of them. So the matter in terms of how long you've been in the system to obviously it said it can help you, but yeah. you've come in after them, taken on board maybe a bit quicker to what they have, and now you've surpassed them. I said that's enough in itself to be thinking that's bother me anymore. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's, that's, that's how Joe is. And you can see him doing his bits now with Nigeria and Rangers. But it's, it's, yeah. it's funny though, because like, in what you've just said, it shows that you've got to have, or you've got it, like good man management, like, but not only that, you're, you're a people person. You didn't give him information that is solely football related. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like, it's life. Do you get what I'm saying? Like how important is that when it comes to, um, like managing people, is would you say the man management aspect of it comes before anything else? Yeah, it goes to who you are as a person. I mean, we've all we've all seen in whatever manager's been at the top, and sometimes I oh, he can't. He's a brilliant coach. He just can't manage people. Doesn't have to speak to people. You've heard all those things before, and when you're at that level, you ain't got to like everybody. Yeah, but it can help. Yeah, but because of how I am and who I am, like I said earlier, is when you've got to chop yourself up into all these pe different people for these young players' individual needs. It will probably be similar when I make that step up eventually. You're going to have to be able to cater for what all these individuals need, and yeah. sometimes it's not always just about because, like, because I said jump, it's about high, high. No, it's not. It's not always about that. Sometimes it has to be like that. Sometimes it's going to have to be a little bit different because mm -hmm. that player's going to need something different to that player and that one's going to need something different to that one. So you've got to know how to either give them individual messages or you give them all messages which they can all understand. Mm. Would you say, though, like... So let's say Joe, for example. Joe comes from... I think he was born... He's raised in Campbell, isn't he? He's from that area, right? Campbell. Campbell, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's born, born up in Campbell, yeah, but he lived over yeah. in Tooting, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's from South London... You know, he probably has the um, the typical background of a young black male. Um, you, as a coach, is it hard to not do the whole 
Like at the end of the day, you're a coach first and foremost. This is football. This ain't the streets. You know, you have to do all of that. How hard is it for you to actually separate the two, or do you actually bring in some of that? You know what? I'm from Lambeth. Um, I know what you're going through. Like, do you have to put that into your your coaching and management of a person, or is it literally a thing of you just got to leave that behind? And this is football. This is how we do it here. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what I said about managing managing the, the individual, mm. because if that player is from a certain place because of what he's been through, and he plays in that way, and it's controlled, you can't mm. take that from him. Mm. That's what he's used to. That's his bite. That's his energy. I, I can't say to him, "No, don't tackle like that," because you're taking his edge, that's probably his motivation in terms of how he plays because that's what he's been used to playing like. Mm. That's how, that's, that was probably his, his get out from where he was to get yeah. to where he is now at a club like Charlton, for example, because he's got that bite energy, that, that aggression about it, mm. but it's controlled on a football pitch. But if you know that off the pitch, where he's got all those attributes, but he still wants to fight one of your same players in the changing room, that's where you've got to step in. Mm. that's where you've got to step in and get the balance right where it's look because you control it on the football pitch because you know you're under a yellow card or a sending off or something yeah. doesn't mean it's any different because you're off the pitch yeah. so it's how you manage those emotions as an example of be who you are but it's how you control and manage it okay. but it's still getting to know that person of okay this is where they're from this is who they are I can understand it how do we work it where it's, we're not expecting to leave everything at the front gate and come mm. in as a totally different person because yeah. you're not getting that person in the end. You're getting yeah. someone who's diluted or someone you're trying to create who's not that person. Yeah. No, manage, it's managing them and getting to know them. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's massive. And um, when you see all these other clubs, like from around the, around the I don't know if it's the world because that's not my, my thing, but I definitely know in England, a lot of um, clubs are now flocking to South London and, you know, the inner London areas to get their players. Does that not make you feel some type of way, but do you look at it and, and think, okay, you're getting these players, but are you providing the same, like the right support for them as well? Or do you just think, you know, it's part of the game, they're just taking them and taking them. You don't really apply too much thought to it. You know what, it's... I'm a South man. I would, I would love for every player to get an opportunity in the game because that's where they want to go to. After that, it comes down to probably how they manage it, how they deal with it, but also he's getting that support as well. And that's one of the key things with, with players from our ends or any player is, what's your support network like? Because mm -hmm. as much as it's in a way of, I'm the one on the football pitch training every day and playing games, it's, it's after that. What's the aftercare yeah. like? Yeah. As, as that as that player got that support, and if you haven't got that support at home for whatever reasons, you haven't got that support from your your, your friends and your peers and that network, or you haven't got that support from an agent, that's where you're gonna need the club to come in to give you that support. And obviously, if it's coming from a club's point of view and it's an asset, they should be there supporting that person mm. because it's an asset. But if the player has got the right support or got an, an enabled support network, doesn't have to be loads, but just mm. enough, which is going to keep him 
just there, which is enough to help him, along with the club, go and do it. Like I said, I want love, love for everybody to get opportunities. Yeah. We know it's not, we know it's not reality, but support network is vital as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think I think when when I look at it, um, I look at a lot of these clubs who are who take these players on from from these these areas. Not just South, because South is obviously the the most known hotspot, but wherever else in London or whatnot. I think a lot of the time these players, like, they're being coached by coaches who don't understand them. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, okay. yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're being coached by by players. Who, I mean, by coaches who don't understand them. So then, when certain things are happening in their lives, or what, or the way they react to certain things, happen, it's it's almost as if it's like, you know what? Let me just get rid of you. Like how how they deal with them isn't proper, and and that's something that kind of rubs me up the wrong way. So when I do see managers who should know what they're going through. And I'm not saying you should stand for anything. You know? I'm not saying, because certain things, they just have to be disciplined. Right? But I don't know. I'm, I'm just a big advocate for, you know, the, the support being proper when you do get these players in and not just seeing them as as assets. Do you know what I mean? Because they're people yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Like, like I said, it's everyone's from different walks of life. We've got boys that get the training get the training to to work boys that are on train and bus yeah. some take a uber you've got others that drive got their own cars some of them have had their own cars since as soon as they turn 17 it's just because everybody's different mm. now it's do you judge them in, in a in a different way because he may have more or have a better upbringing than that one no does he get special treatment from me because he's coming in on the trains first thing in the morning to one that drives mm. not. I'm respecting him for doing what he's doing because he hasn't had that opportunity to earn enough money to go and get a whip so he can drive in yet. So am I going to look at him any differently? No. Am I going to look at him any differently? No. But I'm going to respect where both of them come from. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's how you've got to look at it. It's everyone's different. You've got to respect where they all can understand as well. Like I mm. said is, I could talk to him in a certain way but I can't talk to him in a certain way because he'll probably start barling and he will go, okay, yeah, talk to me about that all the time. So that gets me going. So yeah. you just, you have, you have to know who they are and how they are. Yeah. That's right. See, I've always thought, yeah, I've always thought, like, to be fair, you've summed it up really well because I'm kind of with DAPS in a sense of a lot of players go to environments that aren't familiar and it's difficult. The adjustment, the, adapt, the adaptation part of it is difficult. But at the same time, I look at it and I flip it on its head and I ask myself, just because somebody else is different and their circumstances might be a bit better, you don't necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily treat them differently because they've got that opportunity. Do you know what I mean? And you don't, you know, you still like what you're saying. And this is where I think a lot of it is different because it's about managing the person. And, I, and that's something that you've banged on about that's coming off, that's coming across to me anyway. It's about managing the, ind the individual, not managing the system, not managing the structure, not managing the organisation, but managing the individual to be an asset for the organisation. Do you see what I'm saying? And I think, yeah. And I think for me, that's where, you know, it's, that's, that's got to be the dialogue because I think too often people look at it from the negative point of view when, when a lad's got a, make a big adaptation or big adjustment or what comes from a broken home or that sort of stuff. But at the same time, you know, you don't allow boys who don't have that and who've got it, I suppose, a little bit better from that point of view, liberties, do you? You still treat them within the yeah. same parameters. 
Do you understand? No, so we have to, and no, we have to. We have to do that because, like I said, is we've we've got to find what the person's like, and we've got to make yeah. sure that it's still in line with what we do and how we want to do it. Mm. Now, even with some of the obviously 18s, everyone knows that some of them gonna, some of them are in digs. We've got over the last three years now, we've started doing accommodations for the 23s because some of them live too far. Some of them look at it and go, you know what, it'll be better off if that player now comes out of his environment and lives with another player or two. Yeah. And what that can do is that can probably give him that a bit more independence, a bit more responsibility and a bit of trust as well because he's now living with other players. Yeah, they may be his teammates, but one of them could be one that is just coming from another club who he doesn't know, now he's got to get to know. Yeah. So we use that as another way of finding about that individual mm. by taking them out of the norm for them, going home every day after training, seeing the mum, dad, whatever. Now we're saying, right, to, to want to be a successful professional, start doing it independently, start doing it responsibly with either A, another, or probably two or three others in there. Now let's see how it all works together. So we're taking them out of the comfort zone as well and seeing how they adapt. Some do it better than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how much of like first team affairs do you like keep up to date? Because I saw you at that Charlton match against Blackburn. Yeah. So like that's not something that's required of you, is it, to go and check the first team? Or do you, is that something that you just do because you just enjoy football when you're part of the club? No, it... It is, like in the contract I've got, it is like a requirement to go to all first team games, similar oh, to really? all the 23s. Yeah. But for me, sometimes is if I'm not at a first team game, it's I'm watching one of the players out on loan, or I might go and watch A, another game, because it could be a player that someone has said to me, I'll go and have a look at, see what you think. But nine times out of 10, I'll be at, at a first team game, yeah. at a home game. Yeah. One, it's because, like all my other teams that I've played for, but Wimbledon and Charlton, they're my teams. They're my two teams. So, yes, I work for the club. On the match day, I see myself as, yes, an employee to a supporter, but also these are colleagues and people that I work with on a day-to-day. -day. I want us to do well. Yeah. On the other side of it is, 23s, 18s, been there before, oh, I've got to go first team game. They see it as a chore. Yeah. They see it as an inconvenience. Oh, I've got to go first team game. Oh. Well, my boys now is, got to get there by a certain time, which is get there so you can see the warm-up or, or at least part of the warm-up and you leave when I tell you to leave. So it's not that <laughs> leaving after, it's not that leaving after 60, 70 minutes business because you want to beat the traffic and all that. No, mm. these are your teammates. These are people that you share the change room with. Hmm. This is where you Respected. want to aspire to be. Yeah. So that's where you want to be at, but you're going to sit on your phone for the full 90 minutes and not pay attention to the game. This is your education right here. Hmm. And you're being paid for it. Yeah. yeah. And I say to him is, you're getting paid to watch championship football. Madness. You get free tickets for championship football, which you can go and give to one or two of your friends. I said, in a year's time, if you haven't done it right, you could be texting one of the boys next to you saying, oh, can yeah. you get me tickets for the game? Get me a ticket, yeah. Get me a ticket. 
So this is your education right here, right now. Mm. So I said, when you watch the game, watch it for a reason, watch it for a purpose. Don't yeah. just watch the game because you feel, oh, I've got, I'm, I'm here. I've got. No. If you play centre midfield, look at our own centre midfielder. If you're yeah. a Josh Cullen player, look what Josh does. Why is Josh in the first team? Why is he staying in the first team? Yeah. Why is Nabil Saar playing at left-back and centre-half? Why is he doing that? Now, look at them in terms of, this is what I need to do, or this is how I need to play to get into our first team. Yeah. Or if you're looking at the opposition, look at them. Look at how they play. If I'm a left-back, what's the right-winger doing? So yeah, yeah. Education. Education, yeah. Who's that player that, um, that came back from injury? Around, around about the time when um, they played Blackburn. Can you remember that game? Um, and he came out from injury, but and then he'd been playing... Red, is it him, man? He's a good player. The one that Charlton need to be on the pitch. Centre midfielder? Yeah. Oh, it might have been Josh Cullen. Might have been Josh Cullen. He's on loan from West Ham. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. It probably isn't. No, no, it isn't. I heard a lot of talking about him, actually. Yeah, he's a good player, man. No, he is a good player. But then I've said that to a couple of my boys before, like one of the older ones. I said, you've made our manager last year go, go and get him yeah. on loan from, from West Ham. You, know you haven't mean? made his mind up. <laughs> yeah, you're a year, year and a half behind him, but he hasn't done loads different to what you have. But you've made our first team manager go and get another player in your position. And I said, I said to all of them, I said, see what these boys are doing. If you're seeing someone in your position, cling on to him. Be his friend. Get pick his brain. Find out what he does, why he does it, how he does it. Mm. Like Jason Pierce, top professional. Darren Prattley, top professional. Yeah. Ben Perriton, young player, top professional. We've got very good young and old top professionals. Yeah. And I'm saying to these boys is, yeah, you see him in the corridor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All nah. Hang out with them, pick the brain, know who they are, why, what drives them, what's got them to, to where they're at. Because yeah. that's where you want to be. You don't want to be in a 23s changing room, you want to be in a first team changing room. Like, how are you going to get there? Find out how you get there. Yeah. That's, for real, I, I, I never actually looked at it from, from that point of view, like the under 23s, because Charlton are probably looking at it like, oh, we've got a good player in and blah, blah, blah. But then, People in the 23s and you are probably looking at it like, not angry, but just like, look, look, look what's happened because you didn't take it seriously. Do you get what I'm saying? No, it's, it's, just, it's all about perspective. No, it is that. It's perspective and opinion. And it's, if I'd seen some young players coming in on loan from other clubs that are in a similar position to my 23s, I look at that and go, right, I have to push this player harder. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately... There's a pathway which we've always said for you is at Charlton, but someone else from another club on loan is stopping your pathway. Yeah. So we're going to push you and make you work harder now. Mm. You know, you're yeah. going to have to set your game up. I'm going to have to step up to get you to step up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. your pathway is being blocked. So sometimes it's not about maybe what you do or do or don't do, right? It may be yeah. just because of the manager wants that type. But if mm. we've got someone here where we can go, right, need to try and get him in the eye line. That's what I've got to do. And that's what he's got to do as well. Yeah. Let me ask a quick question, Jay, yeah? Just a quick one, yeah? What is it about Charlton, though? Because, like you said, Charlton have been producing players that go from the old system, be it, like, the 18s, the reserves, to the first team. 
and you've still got players coming through youth team, 23s, first team. What is it about Charlton that, that you guys seem to just produce that player? I don't, obviously, because everyone would say, obviously, you're South London, but the way Charlton recruit, it's not, it's not the way Crystal Palace recruit, for, for example. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? But Charlton yeah. seems to consistently get players through the door. I mean, what is it about what is it about the club? And you've been through mad cycles. Loads of money, no money. Loads of money, no money. Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, and we go through cycles with players as well. That's the thing. We go through cycles with players. We, we go through a time where we might, we might push out three or four in one season or the following might be one or a two or a three and a four. But the answer to that is, I think the model is attached to what Charlton is about as a football club. Yeah. I think then you bring the football into it, if that makes sense. Mm. I think it's more in terms of obviously everything the club's been through, for one, then you bring the football into it in terms of the football probably represents how the club is. Family-orientated club. We think yeah. about the individual. We want to give the individual a chance. And that is something which goes through all of our coaches. Now, yes, we have a lot of coaches that turn over over the years. That's, that's football. That's top and bottom. But one of the main cogs behind that, because he's been around it for so long, is Steve Avery. We've been able to have someone yeah. that kept that model where it is for the last 15, 20-odd years, or say, to yeah. continue it. And with it evolving, we've had to evolve with it. And that is in terms of probably how we may or may not have to do certain things differently to make sure we don't get left behind. But are we going to discontinue what our beliefs and values are? No, because this is what we are. This is what's proved us to be successful. And we need to continue mm. that. We just need to evolve with that. And yeah. that is the way that we do things in terms of our recruitment. If it's even down to the development centers coming into under nines, or even if it's down to senior level, it's we have to evolve with what's going on us around, what's going on around us. Yeah. Like I said, is we have that pathway as the carrot for everyone. Mm. We've got that pathway, and if we can get people through the door in knowing that at the end of this, I can come in as a nine-year-old, like a Dylan Phillips and a Paul Koncheski or a Brendan Sarpong, and then go on to make my first team debut. Mm. If we could keep racking those up then that just gives us that advantage of getting boys through the door. Yeah. Um, so quickly, before we wrap up, how, like, obviously you're, you're, with, you're in the club, but you're also a Charlton fan. Looking at Charlton's season and everything that, that's going on, like, like how, how do you look at it? Like, what are your thoughts on, on the club as it is right now? As, I mean, like I said, is I'm... I'm an employee and a fan because I said is if I look at what Wimbledon went through mm -hmm. is we saw that, we saw that, now we're seeing that again. And that is something that still sticks with me. If I'm not, when we play Wimbledon, I'm a red because I'm at Charlton. Yeah. When we don't play Wimbledon, when we was in League One, we don't play Wimbledon, I'm a blue. Yeah. I'm always going to be a blue, I'm always going to be a red. I always look out for all my other teams. Yeah. And weirdly enough, all the other teams I've played, get played for, they've all done that. Mm. So I don't know if it's me or not. I don't know. I've got a curse on me. It's like Southampton, Blackpool, 
Middlesbrough. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, but, yeah. Yeah, so it's one of them ones where I see it as this, it, it's, I, mean, I keep saying it, it's like we've got like a black cloud over us. That mm. We're never just going to have just sun beaming on us and everything's going to look positive, positive, positive. Mm. But like I said earlier is you can only control the controllables. Yeah. This is something that we as football staff can't control. Yeah. And that's not just obviously with the quarantine and everything and everything that's going on, just boardroom business, left, right. We can't control that. We can mm -hmm. only manage and control what's in front of us. And that's by doing what we can do on the grass. But then when you hear like, because uh, we've got Lau coming on on the podcast. We've had him, we had him at the, on the live show. We're not allowed to show like proper, proper nice guy. So when you hear Lau come out with certain statements and he's like, that's the star striker for the team. We're in the club. Surely you must be like, what? What's going on here? <laughs> it is. It's, a, it's, it is like, a, it's, it's like, it's drama. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's mm. drama at the moment. And yeah. you always see it at other football clubs and you think, wow, that's happening at that club. I'll never wish that. To, oh, what would happen mm. if that? You, you see it and it's just that it's fallen on our doorstep now. Mm. And we've got to ride this storm. And hopefully it ends up in a positive way that we all want to, not just in terms of where we are with the, the whole lockdown scenario, but it's what we're going to be like once all this, once we come out of all this, yeah. what we're going to look like as a football club. Mm. So yeah. it's drama in what you see in terms of what's in the media and a hierarchy arguing and blah, 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 which you see mm. at other football clubs. But it's your own. And where we are at the moment, you just need it to go away. So if we do get back to playing, yeah. we can make things right on the pitch and hopefully it all starts looking positive after that. Yeah, nah, thanks, man. Uh, listen, Yoli, it's been good, man. I, I, uh, see, I, see, I see Spence has enough notes for the, for the year, mate. <laughs> Every minute, right, right, right. He loves it. No, just a, a, a quick one, though, Jay. Um, you know, if, uh, obviously, when everything goes back, back to normal, um, would it be possible to just pop down and, like, just have a little look at one of your sessions? Yeah, no, that's cool, man. I, this, I, 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 I'd like to always invite people in in terms of days that will work for them just to sort of sometimes see what I do it, how the academy does it, because part of the coaching game is I've, I, ain't got no, I ain't got nothing to hide. I mean, I've not, I've not done anything in a way of anything different to somebody else. This is probably just how I do it. It's probably different to you. It might be the same as you. You don't know. Like yeah, so I've, no, I've, I've, I'm not there sprinkling any dust and making magic formulas or nothing. I'm just doing, doing me. And on the way of me getting to where I am, I'm just picking up stuff all the time. Yeah, and that's yeah. when I've done all the, the coaching courses and finish the pro license and you're, and you're with a, a David James and a Nicky Butt and a Vidic and you're thinking, right, I used to play with these mans every other week and all of a sudden now you're learning something different off them. So you're yeah. just always picking up bits and pieces there and I'll go away of England as well, working yeah. with the best players in the country. You're picking up bits there, some bits I know, some bits I didn't know. Mm. So you're always picking up pieces all the time. So I said, that there ain't no magic formula for me, I've got nothing to hide. Do, do, you, do you look at coaches in the game and think, oh, this is a... Like, who, who would you say is your that top coach that you love to see and learn from? I think everyone's different. Mm. Because there's no point in me sitting there going, oh, I'd love to have an hour with Pep and pick his brain. 
because that's his brain. It's not what he's got in his brain. I won't be able to match that, mm. regardless regardless of how good of a memory I've got. It's 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 not going to be the same. I can't go and do what Pep does with an under twenty threes team. Yeah. To try mm. ain't going to be the same. It's. It's in terms of you having your way and the way that you think and the way that you put things into play. That's your that's your unique thing. Yeah. It's fortunate that he's been able to do it with some of the best players in the world and still make it look even better. Mm. You could still be doing certain things with the players that you've got, which can still be pretty in certain ways. But there's not one out there who I want to go and say, I'm going to sit with him, I'm going to sit with him, I'm going to sit with him. Mm. I see it in terms of how they put themselves like I said in terms of I can't physically do it myself yeah but what I see them do from the touchline in terms of how those teams play I pick up what are they driving what are they asking what are they looking for their players to do then you see how they interview you see post-match pre-match how they talk how they come across things like that in terms of how do you get these players on side to so these are they're the ways that I look at certain coaches and I I mean I do webinars and that as well with Southgate I had the other week um, Alex Singlethorpe we do these webinars and stuff like that and it's good to hear what these coaches are doing and mm-hmm. how they do it Yeah. and like Vince is doing is you take the little notes but you can't be those yeah. that's yeah. them Everyone, everyone's unique in their own way and that's how you can get your success or not your success if you don't get your success that's where you need to start tweaking and how do I become successful yeah, oh, no, I love that, man. Yeah. Knowledge. Um, Knowledge. Very quickly. Well. <laughs> yeah, pick it up. Pick it up. Yeah, no, very quickly as well. Um, any danger of um, a pre-season match between Abby and Charlton? <laughs> I don't even know when pre-season is. So I <laughs> trust me, trust me, man. Oh, yeah, no, but very quickly, how, do you, how are you not even planning for that? Because normally, now, now would be the time when you start looking for next season, but it must be, you don't know what's going on. I've got an email the other day from someone at the club saying, oh, I've had contact from such and such club asking for dates of pre-season. So I just replied back to him. I said, I've got no thoughts in my head about mm. pre-season dates. So mm. can you just kindly go back and decline? Yeah. <laughs> I can't, you can't. Who That's knows? True. Who knows when yeah, pre-season... Crazy. You don't know when the season's going to be. How do you know when pre-season's going to be? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. This season hasn't even finished yet, so... I'm seeing... I can't I'm see seeing. how you... Managers so are moment, players that, Yeah, so at the moment, we've, we've got our players now, because we're officially not going back, mm. we've now got them on an eight-week programme. Yeah. In terms of, okay, so June and July, your eight weeks, probably might be starting back in August. Mm. So they've got eight week program now but we've already had to change three schedules from since we went into lockdown yeah because the ways the date changes so at the moment the ones that are not going to be going back in they've got a week of doing nothing the second week is minimal but like an active recovery they call it and then they will start building back up again but yeah that could go on again and go on again. So mm. we're just giving guidelines at the moment because we're still unsure. That's oh, some crazy times, man. Crazy, crazy times. But yeah, man, thanks for coming on, man. 
I appreciate having me, man. Absolutely, it's, appreciate. It's been insightful. Yeah, man. Insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust me. But guys, listening at home, keep liking, subscribing. It's just smiling. It's it. Listen, I told him. I told him it's gonna be. It's gonna be like coaching and management heavy, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. like he loves it." This yeah, guy, I'm just trying to learn, man. This guy <laughs> loves it, bro. To be honest, I've never seen a player like like Spence who embraced going from playing to management so easily. He just picked it up, bro. So I don't no, know. I wouldn't say that. Nah, you did, man. <laughs> you did. You. It's only now recently. I'm, I'm I'm looking. I'm thinking. Oh, this guy's missing it. <laughs> nah, man. It's it's all hard, man. It's just, it's like in it, we're we're gonna finish now, but there's so much that goes. It's like anything. So much that you don't see. Do you know what I mean? Especially when you're working within a team and you're not focused on yourself anymore. Mm. Now you're focused on a group. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so much like before games, you know, making sure are they out the night before a game? Are they in at a decent hour? Have they got a child? If they've got a young baby, have they had enough sleep? How have they been during the week? Have they had someone pass away, someone ill in the family? Yeah. Where uh, where are we playing? Are we away? We ain't got a mini bus. Ah, that's too much. Man. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, that's they're the, they're the type of things that some like we haven't got. I've not got a under twenty three coordinator that will do all that mm. for me. So I work with my academy secretary where it comes to right. We need a coach. Okay, right. What type of coach are we going to get? Because we're looking at budget now. What mm. time are we leaving? Are we allowed to stop off to a hotel and get pre-match? If we can't, we need to try and get a decent coach where we can cook the food. Then we've got yeah. all of the food that we can cook. We've got money for after the game. Oh, what yes, we do when we go to the away game, if it's just down the road, are we getting the minibuses? What's the home game? So all these little planning bits that sometimes people don't see. Mm, mad, so mad. much logistical stuff around it. Mad, mad. It's just not all football. But yeah, man. Bye. I don't envy you, man. So, you know, enjoy. But, um, yeah, man, guys, <laughs> until next time, keep liking, subscribing, yeah. and sharing. We're out, man. Nice, Love that. Thank you, Jay. Love that. Oh, you, man, stay there. You, man, stay there.